What's in store for your business this week at Staples? Cases and cases of confidence. Staples can help give you the confidence that your business is ready for the year ahead with all the supplies you need. Like paper. And right now, when you buy a 10-ream case of Staples multipurpose paper, you get one free. So you can be confident you're ready for whatever business comes your way. Buy one case of Staples multipurpose paper, get one free. Now at Staples, where there's a whole lot in store. In-store only, limit 10. Valid through 1519. For tuning in to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends, one of the most informative and entertaining talk radio shows today. From social issues and trending topics to sex and relationships, no subject is ever taboo. So join us now for real people, real topics, real talk. Let's face it. Thanks for tuning in to Let's Face It. It is Wednesday, August 24th. We're going to kick the show off with my track of the week, which is Cheerleader by Omi. When I need motivation... My one solution is my queen, cause she stays strong, yeah, yeah. She is always in my corner, right there when I wanna. All these other girls are tempting, but I'm empty when you're gone. And they say, do you need me? Do you think I'm pretty? Do I make you feel like cheating? I'm like, no, not really, cause oh, I think that I found myself a cheerleader. She is always right there when I need her. She's like a genie in a bottle Yeah, yeah Cause I'm the wizard of love And I got the magic wand All these other girls are tempting But I'm empty when you're gone And they say Do you need me? Do you think I'm pretty? Do I make you feel like cheating? I'm like, no, not really Cause oh, I think that I found myself a cheerleader She is always right
been listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friend. We'll be right back. The odds of becoming a signed artist and having four number one albums. One in 100 million. The odds of going on to win seven Grammy Awards. One in 1.4 million. The odds of this performer having a child diagnosed with autism. One in 68. I'm Tony Braxton. And I encourage you to learn more at AutismSpeaks.org slash signs. Autism Speaks. It's time to listen. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Terry Crews. Actor, former football player, game show host, father of five, and all-around big dude. I'm also an expert on drama. I know all kinds of drama. There's the good kind that comes with having a house full of kids. There's the bad kind, like season-ending injuries. There's the necessary kind, like having an agent in Hollywood. And there's silly drama, like the drama around my percolating pectorals. And then there's the drama you can skip. Skip the drama that comes with not having your high school diploma or equivalency. Find free adult education classes near you and finish your high school diploma. Visit finishyourdiploma.org. Or text DIPLOMA to 97779. Message and data rates may apply. Reply STOP to opt out. That's DIPLOMA to 97779. And leave the drama to actors like me. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ed Council. There's a threat targeting America. One that's growing fast, but may still be hard to see. Lyme disease. Spread by tiny ticks, often smaller than the head of a pin, this dangerous disease is now more widespread than West Nile, tuberculosis, and HIV-AIDS combined. And if left untreated, it can lead to arthritis, facial paralysis, and even memory and concentration problems, often called brain fog. As the threat of Lyme disease grows to more than 300,000 projected cases each year, it's time for us to target Lyme disease. That means checking for ticks when you've been outside, even in your own backyard. It means seeing a doctor if you experience the symptoms of Lyme disease, which can include joint pain, flu-like symptoms, fever, fatigue, or sometimes a bullseye-shaped rash. Set your sights on stopping Lyme. Learn how you can target Lyme disease at TargetLyme.org. Brought to you by the Stephen and Alexandra Cohen Foundation in this station. You're now listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Let's Face It Radio. We are in the studio. I have two fabulous people. Uh, one, the very beautiful Miss Robin Martin Thomas. She is the, um, we call her the queen bee of our salon. She's actually my co-worker. And then we have my good buddy, Mr. Jacoby DeBouvier. We've known, I've known him for many years. Um, he is the owner and the founder of Black Men Rock. I know a couple of weeks ago, um, I told you guys that I had won a couple of awards there. So he, three, three to the exact, yeah. So he is the um, founder of that awards. But I want to give them an opportunity to let the world know who they are. Um, if you want to share any contact information, any announcements, anything you have coming up, let the world know. Miss Robin, you can start first. Martin Thomas, and I am a supervising agent with American Income Life. Um, I've been doing um, permanent benefits for all the union members in the area. Um, I don't, I'm not for sure if you're 
familiar with union members like firefighters, policemen, electricians, and veterans. Mm-hmm. So anyone that needs permanent benefits outside of work, because I don't know if anyone is aware that 31 days after you leave work, change jobs, or retire, the benefits that you have through work go away. But we provide the um, permanent benefits that stay with you for the rest of your life. So if you're looking for permanent benefits, you can I can be reached at rrthomas. Four seven at gmail.com. Just right. give me your name and your phone number, and I will be in contact with you. All right, boo. Mr. Jacoby. Yes, I'm Jacoby DeBouvier. I'm sponsored by Anointed and Blessed Home Health Care Agency, Quarterdeck Restaurant, and Jacoby Publishing. I am an entertainment industry veteran known as an author, music publisher, entertainer, singer, actor, director, photographer, makeup artist, and on and on. I'm also the founder and producer and director of the Black Man Rock Image Awards. Uh, we're going our fifth year, um, so that's me. And, and I you have, have an offer for a CD, right? I, yeah, I have a freebie, two CDs. I'm going to be giving away my new single, or actually my new EP. It's called Situations. It has two songs that I've written, published, and produced. Um, so we'll be giving those away on the air tonight to two lucky winners. Awesome, awesome. How could I forget we have world's greatest publicist, Miss Nikki Curry? Yeah. Thanks for being here as always. I appreciate you, boo-boo, for coming in. So, everybody, I know you've um, been paying attention to the news. It's a lot of things. We're going to start what we call the chat. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, Spellman is considering their their president, Mary Schmidt Campbell. She's assembling a task force to get Mm -hmm. recommendations on possibly updating the school policy to begin accepting transgender students. Mm-hmm. So this must mean that at this point, transgender students, well, I guess, because Spelman's all for women, okay? Right. Yeah. Right. So at this point, they would get denied, declined, mm-hmm. right? So what, what what do y'all think about them doing that? Mm, decli- being declined or being accepted? Being ex- them updating their um, admissions policy to accept transgender. You think it's a good idea, not a good idea? being that it's one of the nation's um, prominent institutions for women. Well, I think it's a great idea for anyone who wants to continue their education. They should be allowed the opportunity to go to school and get a degree. My good friend or one of my dear friends is the head of the English department at Spelman. And mm-hmm. I just texted her that question. She hasn't had a chance to you know, respond to me on that, but mm-hmm. I'm sure she would be all for anyone trying to get an education. But do you think because it is a historically college for women well if they're transgender that, doesn't that mean they've had the surgery or not i don't know if if they're defined because i've always known transgender is when you have the surgery transsexual is just when you cross dress but i think people are just using transgender as a group term nowadays mm-hmm. um well i so think if if they had, had the, the surgery, surgery and they are women uh-huh. right. that's a good point mm-hmm. right what do you I say agree. robin you agree I totally agree you because they should have the opportunity to get uh, education as right, well right right so, and especially um, if they've had the surgery, then exactly. they're, they're, they're women. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And especially mm-hmm. if they meet the qualifications to apply and get accepted, mm-hmm. then they should let them in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Robin, what, what, what have you found that you want to talk about? Uh, well, you know, we have the upcoming elections uh. and then, <laughs> oh my gosh. And then we see on CNN, I'm not a particular fan of Fox news, mm-hmm. but, um, we see <laughs> the is? debate going mm. back and forth between Donald Trump and Hillary mm-hmm. Clinton mm. And, you know, you need to make your vote your voice. And I've run into several people, and I'm going to put her on blast. 
my daughter, mm-hmm. says she's not voting in what? this election. Yes. So why? I asked her why. She said, well, I just don't feel like either one of them are qualified to be president. So, and that kind of like shocked me because yeah. I thought she would vote for who I'm considering yeah, voting a Democratic. for. Yeah, Democratic, yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, she has a good I'm head her. on her shoulder and she's a smart, intelligent Very. Um, young lady. So I just, when she told me she wasn't voting, uh-huh. that kind of like I'm blew that. me away. Uh-huh. And then I had another friend, we had a discussion, and he said he's not voting either. Oh, wow. Now, and that's exactly so, what they, they yeah. just, and that's exactly. That's not going to do us any good. No, no. So, and then I expressed to her, if something goes wrong, you cannot You have no, exactly. Because you did not use your voice, yeah. your vote as your voice. Right. So, I always I say surprised. you have to, you have to choose the best of the mess. And right. if you don't believe in, you know, who, who holds the closest exactly. to your views. Exactly. Wow. What do you think about that, Jacoby? Well, I'm an officer with the my chapter, the NAACP. Right. So, therefore, we fought for the right to vote. Mm-hmm. I think that everybody should exercise exactly. that. Exactly. And as far as the two political candidates, I don't think that anyone should enter and apply for a job for the top position of our state, of our country, mm-hmm. without any political background or, or right. experience. Exactly. Right. Now, Hillary Trump. is definitely... <laughs> Qualified. Yeah, I mean, she was exactly. married to a president. Yeah. She mm-hmm. was the Secretary of State. Right. She's worked side by side with Obama, so she right. has way. She's well qualified. For exactly. I think she's more qualified than anybody who's ran this right. this year. So, is she so bad? I'm like, I mean, everybody it, is I, like, I just don't trust her, and just yes, yeah, that, more and emails yes, and with the emails and okay, you know, and I, but, and I look at her as being a strong. I think woman you think it's just a, a woman, and a great example for women. Period. Yeah, you know, for the country. Period, and you know, with the issues that she had when Bill was president, right. And how she dealt with that, mm-hmm. because I feel like that was a personal matter. That right. that was between her and Bill and right. not the country. Mm-hmm. So, but I look her I look at her as being a strong figure for men and women. Uh-huh. You know, and she's held several different positions. Right. She's been first lady, so she has experience living in the White House. She's been Secretary of the State, she's been a Senate, and plus she's an attorney. Mm-hmm. So, for my daughter not to vote at all. At all. Or find at least one quality mm-hmm. that she likes about that one of the good. candidates yeah. to say, okay, I'm gonna vote for this person based on this one quality, mm-hmm. but I don't agree with everything else. Yeah. But but she says she's not voting at Do all. Do you believe her? You think you believe her? I believe her because she's very strong will. Mm-hmm. She's a very strong person. So can I, I inter- believe that? Can she's I interject not... this one little point? Yeah. That if we are alive when this election comes up, we will have an opportunity to experience history in a way yes. that Again. no other Again. generation Again. has. Right. We've had a black president to serve two terms, so uh-huh. our ancestors will be flipping over and doing cartwheels in a grave if they've seen that, but a woman president, yes. too? I mean, we would Do you think women. that has anything to do with it, that she's a female? What do you mean? That, that, that so many people are against her saying she's not qualified. No, they just no. don't want a Democrat because they feel like that they just want to change, you know, they want to turn the history backwards. They mm-hmm. want to turn the world yeah. back. I don't know what the Tea Party and the Republicans think about 
um, taking America back. Well, they're mm. gonna take it back, take it back to the Indians and give it to them. Yeah, right. Take it all the yeah. way back. Right. You know? Okay. Exactly. All right. Jacoby, what you want to talk about? Well, I want to talk about um, has a book or a celebrity ever changed your life? You know how when you're growing up, you have a crush on a celebrity or you're influenced by a celebrity. You dress like them. You you read all of their information. So I wanted to know if anybody out there, and um, I would say that singers and songwriters that I admired growing up in the Motown era, I just kind of followed their their history and their formulas for success, reading mm. their books like Barry Gordy, Don mm-hmm. Ross, like that. And it kind of set me up to be in a position of a music publisher and a singer-songwriter today. So I know there are other people out there who have been, um, you know, influenced. So that group of people influenced you? The most, yeah. How? Because, you know, I saw Barry Gordy take the talent from his own state mm-hmm. of Detroit and turn them into superstars by grooming them and developing them and then making them celebrities in Detroit and moving his whole empire mm-hmm. to L.A. But he didn't have any mess. He made sure that they were polished. They spoke well. They they talked a certain way. They mm-hmm. they dressed a certain way. They carried themselves a certain way. Now that's something that's missing from the music industry today. Mm-hmm. There is no censorship. There is no style. There's no class. So people get on national award shows and use profanity and act ignorant. And it's like, you're really embarrassed to see them. Mm-hmm. You know, even with our award show, the Black Man Rock Award Show, you've never seen anybody act out of character. That's why I think I'm going to continue this on for as long as I'm here because it, it inspires me to see so many intelligent, young, educated black men together on one platform just speaking well and thinking their mother and, and their and, and their God. And exactly. Everyone who has just given them the power to... I mean, look at yourself. You've won three awards, but you won some in the past. You you're, you can do more than one thing. You do several right. things, and you can do them all well. But a lot of people just think, I can only do one thing yeah. and die. But when you were in school, you take seven classes, <laughs> and you in some right. auxiliaries, like you're in a band, you're a course a football player, and uh-huh. you still take seven classes. So why, when you graduate, you think, I can just, just do one thing right. and die? Right. So. Right. Well said. <laughs> Robin. What? <laughs> <laughs> what you said? Has any? What was it? Any book Has or a person? Book, a celebrity who inspires or you? I'm trying to think. Or movie? Yeah. What about you, Will? I'm gonna go. I always go last. Oh. Okay. Um, I really love Oprah Winfrey. Yeah. And if you look at her life, and just she, I think now she's the she's telling more about her life, and you know when she was younger, and she wasn't the most prettiest person, right? And, you know, how she had a baby. She got pregnant uh-huh. and she had a baby and the baby died. Uh-huh. And and uh-huh. I just look at her life and how great and how she inspire, you know, other women. So it, you don't have to be the prettiest thing on the block. Uh-huh. But then you could be the greatest thing, you know, end up being somebody great. So right. looks is not everything. Uh-huh. It's just how you carry yourself, how you treat people. And basically... You know how you feel, and you can tell that she feels great about mm-hmm. herself, mm-hmm. no matter how big she is, or you know what's going on between her and Stepman. She forgets. It seems like she just tunes all that out, and she just keeps going, mm-hmm. and she's the person that she is today. So I admire her a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, um, even from when she was at the 
um, TV station. Mm-hmm. And they told her in so many words, you know, that she would never amount to be anything. That's and right. she has a show. She has a network. Mm-hmm. And Tyler Perry has blended into her network and how it's just blossoming into, you know, they have um, varieties of different shows. They had a new show that came on last mm-hmm. night. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. that show is awesome. Yeah. So um, I just admire her for not letting one person tell her that she can do nothing and wind up being great. Okay. So. Yeah. Um, for me, it would be a cross, of course, between Oprah Winfrey. But who drives me um, career-wise is Steve Harvey. Mm-hmm. Um, I read his book, Think Like a Success, Act mm-hmm. Like a Success. And that totally changed my um, view of, because I was getting burnt out. I'm, I still am burnt out with the industry I've been in for 20 years hair and makeup and I read his book and his whole secret was you had to find out what your gift is right everybody um is given a gift or more mm-hmm. um and once I did soul search and I realized <clears throat> that my natural gift is teaching mm-hmm. I come alive mm-hmm. when I teach so yes, that's when I do. he said once you find your gift his gift was um comedy making mm-hmm. people laugh mm-hmm. he said he was doing that ever since a little boy so he tried the corporate thing and didn't work it didn't it didn't really come off for him until he started um working in comedy that's when he got the um, Kings of Comedy. Mm-hmm. From that, he went to the his morning show, his TV show. Then he did the um, Family Feud. Mm-hmm. And on from there, just making people laugh, being himself. So right. mine is teaching. So when I did my makeup classes and my talks, um, even the show, my show, like tonight, we're going to learn how to deal with anger. We're going to learn how to be better right. men. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not a show where you're going to tune in to hear about baby mama or, you know, something like that. It's mm-hmm. a show I always use this platform right. to try to enlighten people. Um, empower people and laugh during the right. process, but um, I found out what my gift is. I'm just going to use it in different areas mm-hmm. um, until I get ultimately to where I want to be. Yeah, that's and I, I and I ditto that to a certain extent because when I read the book "Awaken the Giant Within" by Tony Robbins, that totally changed my life. Was that good? Oh my God! It it, it gave me. A, that's the reason why I can do so many things because in the book it talks about goal setting. It talks about. Uh, setting goals is the most important thing. If you write down all your goals, you can throw the paper away if you don't achieve them all. But you got to have something to wake up to, exactly. to look forward to every day. Exactly. So, you know, I work by my day timer. Okay. And I get up at this time. I exercise at that time. I eat and I make my appointments and I set schedule time to write, direct, produce, right. act, teach, whatever I'm going to do. I can only do it within 24 hours. Right, right. Well, you know what? Our first guest is on the line, Mr. Renaud Purifoy, and he um, wrote a book called Anger, Taming the Beast. We're going to let him um, talk to us about how we can deal, and Robin and I have already talked about we could deal with some some yes. help on how to, you know, work through anger issues. Mm-hmm. So welcome to the show. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. That's good. good. So can you tell the audience a little bit about, about yourself and how you got started? Sure. Uh, I was a marriage family therapist for uh, 20 years and uh, working with anxiety disorders and trauma. And uh, basically that's where I got involved with a lot of uh, anger issues along with uh, the anxiety and the trauma stuff that people were dealing with. Wow. Okay. So you you wrote the book. You've written several books. But the book that we're going to discuss tonight is Anger, Taming the Beast. So can you start by telling us what is anger? Uh, Anger is a response to threat. we have basically two responses to threat. Anger is one, and fear is the other one. 
And uh, what determines whether you become angry or afraid is the nature of the threat. If, if you decide that or if you interpret the threat as something that's manageable, you're going to get angry. If it's unmanageable, then you're going to be afraid and you're going to get away from it. An example would be if a little chihuahua is barking at you. You know, that's a manageable threat, right? Mm -hmm. But if it's a grizzly bear, then you're going to head the other way. Now, again, this is the whole key to a lot of the problems with anger because a lot of times we misinterpret threats or we see threats where there are none. Okay. Okay. Um, I have a quick question. What are some of the common myths about anger? Uh, one of them is that I can't help myself. You see people who have explosive tempers say this all the time. You know, I was just born this way. Uh, and the actuality is uh, that's not true. Uh, you learned how to respond when you're angry, and it's usually the result of either modeling off of parents or it's something that you used to survive when you got young, or it's just something you used that, to gain control. Okay. And now you just keep doing it as an adult. Okay. Okay. Um, hello, how are you doing? This is Jacoby DeBouvier speaking. I want to ask you, how do cultural stereotypes affect how and when we become angry? Hmm. That's a good question. Well, you know, cultural stereotypes uh, play into your beliefs about what it means to be a man or a woman and your place in the society. And a lot of those uh, <laughs> beliefs are, you know, they're, they're going to cause you to see threats where there are none. For example, if I believe I need to be strong, I need to be in control, uh, I'm going to start to get angry whenever something threatens that control that I have. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So do you think that harsh words um, st stirs up anger? Or uh, do you think can, gentle words again, soothe you know, anger? You look at people, and for some people, they can deal with criticism and stuff really well, oh. and other people things that are really very insignificant will make them blow. And again, it has to do with how you're looking at things, you know, how, how you're perceiving the world. Mm -hmm. And again, uh, if you're comfortable with who you are and uh, you're not threatened by people, uh, then somebody who's acting like an adult two-year-old, mm -hmm. you know, you just mm -hmm. look at them the same way you would a two-year-old. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> if I need to have respect and if you're looking at me wrong and that means you're dissing me, then I'm going to get angry at you, and I'm going to come off on you, right? Right. Okay. So then it sounds like anger is a bad emotion. Is that true? Uh, no. In fact, whenever you assert yourself, uh, anger at a low level is what's fueling that. Uh, again, when we talk about anger, the word anger itself usually is a fairly high level of activation. Mm -hmm. But whenever you're irritated, you're bugged, you're miffed, uh, you know, you're annoyed, that's just low-level anger. Again, something is threatening some need that you have, uh, you know, they're stepping on your toes or whatever, and uh, if you're taking actions at that time that are going to minimize the threat with the least amount of harm to yourself and others, then I would say uh, that's an appropriate, that anger is working the way it's supposed to act. You're setting limits, uh, you're setting boundaries, uh, you're setting them in an appropriate way, and that anger is giving you the energy and the motivation to do that. So then there are times where anger is a, a um, an appropriate response then? Yeah, exactly. Again, if there's a real threat, mm -hmm. then you're going to have emotion. Again, you may not call it anger because we use that as kind of the middle level. Mm -hmm. When I think of anger, I think of the whole range from irritation all the way up to rage. Um, 
So it's, I, I look at it in a broader sense from the way we normally use the, the, the word, but it's really all the same emotion. It's just how high the dial is dialed up. Okay. Hello, this is um, Robin Martin Thomas, and I think I have um, an issue with this. How about people who suppresses anger, and what do they need to do to learn? Uh, there's a number of things that really we need to talk about that with that. Uh, first of all, they need to become more a little in touch with their uh, emotions, uh, a little bit of what's going on inside, because a lot of times uh, they have difficulty speaking up, you know, asserting themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when a, a need is being threatened, uh, especially if they're a people pleaser, you know, mm-hmm. then uh, if I speak up and assert myself, then that's going to make other people not like me. Mm-hmm. So this is just one example. But uh, in that case, then I'm going to not, uh, whenever I start to get angry about something, I'm going to suppress it because I don't want people to be, uh, you know, upset with me. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to, to think bad of me. And, of course, what happens over time is I'm not taking care of my needs which is going to cause a whole bunch of other problems. Exactly. Uh, another possibility might be somebody who's grown up in an environment where if I speak up, bad things happen to me. And oh, so okay, so they're to, taught to suppress it. Well, yeah, I mean, as a child, it was mm-hmm. a survival mechanism. You know, if I speak up, I, I, you know, I get knocked around, so right. I learned mm-hmm. to just blend into the wall, and now that becomes my habit pattern. And this is the type of person who afterwards will say, you know, I should have said something. I don't know why mm-hmm. I didn't speak up. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Dr. Purifor, your book talks about behavior as coded messages. What exactly do you mean by that? Oh, yeah. You, you see this, uh, I guess, most strongly in the relationships. Uh, in fact, let me digress for just a moment and talk about uh, the language of love, although there's other aspects to this, too. But uh, you know that your partner loves you by looking for specific behaviors. So it might be that uh, you're a touchy-feely person and you want them to touchy-feely. You might be somebody who needs that uh, verbal affirmation, and so you're looking for them to tell you things. You might be the person who's a doer, right? And so if you misplace your keys or your, your mate does, you get up and you help them do that. So let's say you've got a touchy-feely verbal person with a person who's a taking-care-of-business-doer person. They're each expressing love in the way that they know how, but neither one feels love. Because they're speaking, you know, French and, mm-hmm. you know, Russian or something. Um, so, in the same way, we a lot of times, again, getting back to our beliefs and expectations, uh, we sometimes also look for specific types of behaviors or responses to tell us that I'm valuable as a person or that I'm fitting in or that I'm successful. And when those things aren't happening, then uh, I'm going to get angry because, again, I'm being threatened here. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, okay. It's really, fun, it's really fun when you look at couples and you do couple counseling because uh-huh. uh, one of the first discussions you have is you ask them, so how, how do you show caring to the other person? And uh, we have this kind of crazy thing where we oftentimes will uh, meet up with somebody who's very opposite from us in the way that they show caring. Well, what are some of the responses you get? Well, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, like I said, I gave you some of the more common ones. Mm-hmm. So the touchy-feely person, you know, I'm giving them hugs, mm-hmm. I'm kissing them, I'm, you know, being close to them, or I'm always telling them I love, it, love them. And, and, again, the way you express caring is the way you usually are looking for it yourself. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, there's yeah. the person who's taking care of business, protecting them, you know, making sure that they're helping them when they need help and that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. My mom is German, so, you know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 we were not the touchy-feely type. Okay. 
Um, I married one. So uh, people like myself who kind of like stew over things, let things do the slow burn, what should we do? What's your advice for us? Well, uh, emotions are basically a message that you got some business to take care of. Right. Right. And so it's it's a matter of saying, okay, so what's that business I got to take care of? You know, uh, since if I'm angry, then that means I'm feeling that either I've lost something, something's you know, I'm being threatened in some way. Something mm-hmm. something's not there that that I want or need. So I need to take take a look at it. And a lot of times it's just a matter of doing what I call a, you know going through the checklist. You know, so so what's happened? You know, uh, you know, with my with my mate, uh, with my family. You know, at work, with my friends, with my life goals. Uh, usually, you just go through the checklist. You know, say, "Oh, this thing here. You know, that's what's bugging me." Mm-hmm. And once you identify what's bugging you, then if you're stewing over, it means you need to take action. So, what do I need to do to address whatever it is that's causing that slow burn that I've got going on? That takes a very responsible and mature person to do all of that. <laughs> <laughs> it sure does, yes. and we got an awful lot of immature people walking yes. around in adult bodies. Yes. I'm, wor- I'm working on it. Yeah. Yes, I'm working on it as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's 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 a, it's, a pro- it's supposed to be work out throughout your lifetime, and hopefully uh, you get better at it. Exactly. Although there's a lot in our culture right now that uh, sure goes against that. You look at all the you know the TV programs and movies and right. music and stuff. Exactly. And it seems to really uh, be encouraging people to be immature. Exactly. So do, does okay. emotions such as embarrassment, shame, and envy play a role in anger, would you say? Well, sure it does. Uh, and especially if they're taboo emotions. Because um, a lot of people learn that certain things are not okay. Uh, embarrassment, okay. Uh, embarrassment for me used to not be okay. In fact, what a... My wife's Japanese-American, uh, and so we lived in Japan for a couple of years. And we would go into the department stores, and uh, it didn't take too long for me to start kind of crabbing at her and that type of stuff. And uh, I know it's it's hard to imagine me doing that, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> at, when I thought about it, what was going on is my Japanese wasn't very good. You know, I wasn't really clear about the culture, some of the cultural stuff. And I was embarrassed because uh, I didn't know what's going on. But but see, that was not okay for me because I needed to be strong and in control. Mm-hmm. So and so as soon as that emotion came up, I would convert it over to anger. And that's a very common thing for people to do, because when you feel angry, you feel strong. Right. You got right. that adrenaline yeah. coursing mm-hmm. through your body. And so if there's some weak feeling going on that's not okay for you, I'm going to convert that over to anger because now now I'm strong and I'm in control. Right. In actuality, you're not, and usually you do stuff that's terribly uh, ineffective. Mm-hmm. But at least I feel strong, right? Mm-hmm. So what and do you so think? What is... I found, oh, uh, and uh, th- this is a common thing, is once I identified what was going on, I, I just started when I started to get angry. I said, "Now wait a minute, is what's going on here the fact that I don't know what I'm supposed to do and I'm really kind of embarrassed?" And as soon as I would say that to myself, I became aware of the fact that I was embarrassed, which, you know, didn't feel good, but at least now I was in control. Mm -hmm. Because when you cover up taboo emotions, uh, it's like all your energy starts putting, gets put into covering that emotion up, and you start acting in very irrational ways. You see that all the time with people. (laughs) So, um, Dr. Perifor, what do you think is is important for someone with a quick temper who has trouble controlling himself or herself when they get angry 
Well, let's take the example of domestic violence, okay? okay. If you're working with somebody who's with domestic violence, violence, mm-hmm. that word out there, mm-hmm. um, there's two things that they do that tend to keep it going. One mm-hmm. is, again, they, they will say things like, I can't help myself, mm-hmm. you know, uh, mm-hmm. it's just the way I am, I was born this way. And yet, it's interesting, if you watch this person, when they're at work around the boss, they usually don't lose their temper. When they're in court or you know around policemen or something like that, they usually will contain themselves. Exactly. They only blow mm-hmm. when it's quote safe to blow. That's you know, true. Around the spouse, the kids, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So they actually do exercise a lot more control than they realize. But exactly. as long as I can't control myself, that's their belief system that gives them permission to use anger mm-hmm. as a social control mechanism. And that's mm-hmm. basically what they, what it is. It's it's controlling people. So they got to buy into the fact that they can control themselves, and a lot of times that only happens when you know law enforcement gets involved, and there's consequences. Mm-hmm. And that's the second big myth that they do is they'll they'll minimize the consequence. Well, so I smacked her a little bit. What's what's the big deal? A little bit. And mm-hmm. and they will minimize those consequences. And again, until there are consequences, mm-hmm. and they start to realize that yeah, there this is not a good thing to do, then they're not going to start controlling their behavior. Once you get past those two things then the immediate thing that they need to do is learn how to uh, stop when they get angry and take a timeout. In fact, you, you do very formal timeouts, again, with domestic violence. You'll, mm-hmm. you'll, when they start to get angry, you'll, say, you'll have them say to their mate, you know, I'm getting angry, I need to take a timeout, and you have them leave for an hour. And then during that time, they cool down, you know, process what's going on and come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and le- in fact, if you look at people who manage anger well, they just learned growing up, either <clears throat> because of modeling or because they learned it on their own, that uh, when you get angry, it's time to take a time out and uh, get the reasoning part of your brain locked, you know, going, so that you're not just working off of emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. One that. of the myths is that uh, you know I'm always rational. <laughs> you you are not when you are highly emotional. Yeah, the reasoning parts of your brain do shut down. Exactly. Exactly. So, in your practice, what are some of the ways that you've seen people um, express their anger? Oh, they, you know, everything you can think of from, you know, violent actions to self-destructive stuff and everything in between. You know, uh, people will um, sabotage themselves in various ways or they'll sabotage the other person. Mm-hmm. You know, that people who are suppressing anger, a lot of times will do passive-aggressive stuff. You know, uh person's late and... They just do things that make them, you know, their their partner, and they'll just do things to make them later, or they'll do other things that kind of sabotage them, kind of, you know, indirect ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the, the, you know, you can think of everything that people do, and you know, I, I've seen it pretty much with what people have done. It's uh, it's interesting. So if we're on the receiving end, like you were saying, some people would do passive aggressive things. So if we're on the receiving end of that, what what should your response be? Well, it depends, again, who we're talking about. If we're talking about partner. your partner, mm-hmm. uh, then it's time for a, a, a sit-down and maybe talk about stuff. And then if you can't do that as a couple, then, you know, get a third party involved, whether that's, you know, a pastor or a counselor okay. you know, or, or, or whatever. Um, you, you need to do that. You know, and, and that that's a hard thing, too, because uh, a lot of couples really have a hard time talking about stuff mm-hmm. because again as you said earlier it takes a certain amount of maturity to do that right and sometimes that's in short supply that, that, that's why sometimes i think a third party helps okay. um 
if you're the person who's doing the passive-aggressive stuff, uh, one of the things that you need to do is learn how to be more assertive, how to speak up and set proper limits. Because, again, as we said earlier, a lot of times uh, that's something that's difficult for them to do. Mm -hmm. So they'll sit on stuff rather than saying it. And there's a difference between being aggressive and assertive, and that's sometimes something that people don't understand because when you're dealing with somebody who's acting out their anger and being aggressive, they need to learn how to be assertive just as much as the non-assertive person. Hmm. Okay, that's a good point. Okay, I'm not hearing that. Intimacy or the lack of intimacy play in anger? Oh, that's a big one. Uh, intimacy is one of our primary needs, is we need relationship. And when we don't have relationship, uh, we get real crazy. Uh, and we start <clears> substituting <throat> things for relationship and intimacy. We start substituting power. It's a real common one. We substitute you know, money. We substitute sex. You know, a lot of stuff. Uh, and getting back to what we were talking about earlier about the uh, uh, language of love and some of the hidden messages, uh, a lot of times uh, that need for intimacy, uh, when we're starved for it, uh, we become on such a hair trigger that things that seem like they're going to threaten our ability to get it mm-hmm. uh, will trigger that, that anger, that explosive anger. Hmm. Uh, people who don't know how to deal with relationships in a healthy way, you see that a lot in their relationships, their explosions and things, because they don't really know how to be intimate. They need it, and yet the way they're going about trying to get it is mm-hmm. usually driving the person away and making them get the exact opposite from what they really want. Well, what about the anger that we experience um, with children? Is there anything that we can do to be better at managing that? (laughs) Well, there's a whole lot of things. Uh, First, let me say that if you're going to be successful with kids, one of the primary things that makes you a successful parent is the quality of your relationship with that child. Right. Because when kids are little, you know, you can intimidate them, right? But at some point in time, they understand you can't make me. And a strong-willed kid may get that at two or three, right? right. <laughs> uh, a more compliant kid may take them longer to get that. And once they realize you really can't make me, then the only thing you have to really uh, have them buy into you as a as a consultant or as a uh, resource for them is that that ability to have a relationship with them, for them to want to please you. Um, and unfortunately, that's something that, especially if a person's working, they're a single parent, you know, and they're busy, uh, and they come home, and they're tired, and they're stressed out, uh, they're not taking time to really invest in that relationship really well. Mm-hmm. And then that really you begin to see, especially as they get older. Uh, because, again, the kid wants something from the parent. They want that, that connection, and they're mm-hmm. going to either get it in a positive way or in a negative way. So if they're not getting a, a positive piece of you, they'll take a negative piece, but they're going to get a piece of you one way or the other. So having said that, uh, that, that relationship is real key to successful parenting. And, and you can see parents who have read all of the books, you know, they know all of the techniques, 
but they don't have a very good relationship and they're not very effective. And you see another parent who maybe is doing everything wrong according to the book, but they the kid knows that they're loved and they're really connected, and the kid and they're doing really and basically things go pretty well with them. So it's nice if you have both, but uh, if I was to take one of them, I would take a, a strong relationship. So having said that, one of the things I think that causes anger in parenting is unrealistic expectations. You know, the parent who expects his uh, three-year-old to act like a well-adjusted 43-year-old adult. That's true. Right. And when they're acting like a three-year-old, they get angry, right? Mm-hmm. Why is this kid acting this way? I mean, right. I used to tell my wife, well, it's just because he's a two-year-old, you know. Yeah, and uh, we'd laugh. That's true. <laughs> she, 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 that terrible two you know, yeah, turn into I'm the terrible three. expecting to act more mature here. Mm-hmm. Oh. So unrealistic expectations is one of the big things. Um and that goes for all of the different ages. Uh, it, it's interesting because at uh, uh, two, you know, that, that terrible twos times, when you really think about it, what they're doing is they now understand language, they're getting physical ability, and they're able to have some power in the world, and so they're pushing those limits of power. That reemerges in junior high school. That's when kids are now starting to separate out from the family. That's why right. they all look the same and stuff because they're – you know, that's their uh, security as they break away with their family. And now I want to see how much power I have out in the world. Mm-hmm. And so you get a lot of that same stuff kind of comes up, except now they're more sophisticated, right? Mm-hmm. So kind of understanding some of the developmental stuff with kids, kind of you know, who they are and not having unrealistic expectations is, is really helpful. I think the other thing is each kid has what I call a theme. Uh, and this is the thing that really bugs you about the kid. So with my kids, I had one who was just super compliant. Uh, I could say, Monique, please don't do that. And she just burst into tears, right? <laughs> now, my son, he was just the opposite. He was strong-willed, you know, uh, and you'd say, don't do it. He'd just look at you and keep doing it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, exactly. Caused him a lot, a lot of heartache in his life, but uh, he's finally at uh, 36 growing up, so it's <laughs> to see. Okay. Yeah, in fact, he's become quite, quite, quite a nice, nice young man. Uh, but yeah, he had a lot and of what problems cause, for a long what do you time think because causes, that oppositionalism inside of him. What do you think causes that's, that's, people to be angry? Well, what do you think causes? What do you think causes people to become angry when there is no reason to become angry? They are just irrational. Well, again, it gets back to their misinterpreting events because anger is all about misinterpretation your, or your interpretation of events. And when I see threats that don't exist, that's going to make me angry. From the outside, it looks irrational. I mean, if, if you understood the person's belief system and how they think, it would make perfect sense. It would still be irrational, but it would, at least you would, you would understand, okay, this is why that person is appearing to be so irrational, because either their uh, power or their control is being threatened, um, or their identity as a person, you know, who am I, I am is being threatened, uh, my, who I am as a man or as a woman, you know, and, and therefore they're getting angry because of that. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the final question I have for you, are, do you have any tips for, for mainly Robin and myself for how we could um, effectively manage, manage anger? Well, let's talk about emotional management in general. Okay. Uh, I think the first step is being able to figure out what's going on inside of me. You know, am I happy, sad, or mad? 
Okay. Uh, basically, it boils down to those things, right? Okay. Uh, am I frightened? Am I? Uh, and if I'm frightened or if I'm angry, that means I'm threatened somewhere. So then you take a look at, so what caused this? Is it real or is it irrational, right? Uh, if I lost my job and I'm angry and you know fearful, well, that's real, right? Mm-hmm. If uh, somebody said they don't like my haircut and I'm getting all angry about them, then most of us would say that's irrational, right? Right. right. So then take a look at so where what triggered it? What is it real? Is it, is it a rational reality thing that I'm dealing with here, or am I dealing with something that's irrational? And then the second thing is what did I do? Did I what I do was it appropriate or inappropriate? Did I go up and you know whack him upside the head or? Did I call him a name or something, or you know, did I say something that was appropriate for the situation, or take actions that were appropriate? Okay. If it's inappropriate, then I need to, the, the the anger itself. I need to take a look at what are the beliefs that I have about myself and the world that that's triggering that. I might need to do some self-examination of that. Uh, Socrates, uh, way back when, said, you know, the, the unexamined life is not worth living. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, we got a lot of people that are living lives where they've never bothered to take a look at, you know, what are those core beliefs that are really driving me? And uh, maybe changing some of those. Because most of them came up when you were a little kid. Right. As you were a little child, you, you learned about what it was to be a man, you know, your place in the world, <laughs> all that type of stuff, or a woman. Uh, and for most people, they never changed that. So most adults are basing their interpretations on a set of core beliefs that a little kid came up with. When you look at it that way, you kind of understand why there's so much irrational stuff going on. Okay. So it, sometimes it means I need to take a look at you know where I'm coming from and, and is this reasonable or not. Uh, if my actions are inappropriate, then uh, maybe I need to uh, learn how to respond in some different ways. If my anger was appropriate, uh, then that maybe my actions were, then maybe I need to take a look what can I do differently next time. And that's an important step because people are always saying, you know, man, I wish I would have said something different. I wish I would have done something different. And that's as far as they go. Right. Unless you really get concrete about, okay, well, here's what I could say. Here's what I could do differently. And maybe even do a little quick mental rehearsal in your head. Then that increases the chances you'll do something different next time. Hmm. Otherwise, you just keep doing the same thing over and over again. Hmm. Yeah, you mentioned Socrates. That was one of my favorite philosophers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So, Renato, how can yeah, people... Well, that, that, no, go ahead. That was one of my favorite quotes, so... <laughs> <laughs> but how can people get a copy of this book and your other books? Uh, the, they can go uh, to Amazon.com. It's probably the easiest way to go. Okay. And just uh, put Anger, Tame, and the Beast in, and then that'll uh, show them. Uh, they can go to whyemotions.com. Uh, that's my website. And I have a bunch of uh, free videos uh, that deal with all kinds of different topics up on YouTube. Yes, I saw those. So if they put Anger, Tame the Beast up uh, in, in YouTube, they, they'll get to it. And uh, they're on emotions and anxiety disorders. And yeah. In fact, i got an anger series that I'm working on now. It's, i got the first part up. i got uh, the second one I'll probably put up this week, and then two more in a, in a couple months. Awesome. Are and you on any social stuff. media? Uh, I'm on Facebook, uh, and I uh, just... Open a Twitter account. So. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. I'm starting to do all that. All right. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing this information. It's been very valuable yes. for I know myself. Yes, for myself yes. as well. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for coming on the show. Well, thank, thank, thank you, Doc. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
Yeah, I learned a little bit about how to control myself. Yes. Now, <laughs> if I could go back a year, okay, you know, we're not going to go there tonight, though. Uh, <laughs> Nikki. Okay, so did you hear Nick Cannon is going back to school? Yeah. yeah I think that's great. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. I think it's great. He enrolled in Howard University. Mm-hmm. Now, um, he announced, when did he announce it? He announced it uh, on social media last Monday. Mm-hmm. He's 35 years old. Um, he didn't say why he's going back to school or what he plans to study, but um, he's headed back to school. Yes. Now, and I think he's going on campus. He's going to live school. on campus? He's going to go mm-hmm. to, not not oh. like online. I think he's going to oh, go on campus. Howard. Yeah. So do you think his presence on campus is going to be like a distraction or do you think it's going to add to the learning environment and to the campus? Um, I think both. Um, both? Yeah. Because, you know, the type of, he's a comedian for mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been in, I loved him in Drumline. And that's where everybody's been talking about yeah, Drumline. Yeah, so, um, you know, it can be a distraction, but then he can create the learning environment, you know, while he's, while he's there. Mm-hmm. And plus, it'll be a good, um, good advertisement for um, Howard University because universities love to, especially if someone's in the limelight. Mm-hmm. Like I went to the University of uh, Virginia right? and they promote Katie Couric all the time. They tell you where she lived, what dorm she lived in. And, you know, so when you have someone in the limelight attending universities, then the universities use that as an incentive to get other students to, you know, come there. So I think it would really? be, okay. yeah. <clears throat> so I think it would be a great, it'll add to the learning environment, mm-hmm. but it, it could be a distraction at the same time with his presence, you know, there. Usually schools um, announce that somebody's coming to their school. Yes. They didn't announce that he's coming. <laughs> that he's coming. I'm a little concerned. Well, he announced it himself. Yeah, he announced so. that he's coming. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I hope he completes it, number one. I yes. hope he finishes it. Um, what about you, Jacoby? You think it's... Well, I think initially it might be a distraction because people are starstruck. Want to see him. married to yeah. Mariah Carey. He's on television, and yes, he was in Drumline, and I don't know about their band or whatever, mm-hmm. but... Initially, but just like any other star, once the novelty wears off, they're going to be in their studies and trying to get their degree, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just think that it's a great thing that he wants to broaden his his horizon. I think so, yeah. More, mm-hmm. more well-rounded as a, you know, intellectual as well as a comedian. Mm-hmm. That can only enhance his business decisions as he moves forward in life. Mm-hmm. What, what, what did Miss Nikki say? Someone based on... Oh, was it? Oh, that's your school. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that a HBCU? Yes, it is. Yes. It is. Bam, you? Of course. And my good friend is the manager of the library there. The manager of the library? Yeah, he okay. manages the library. It's a big store. It's like a big store. Have you ever been to Howard? To their, to their I've, yeah, I've dated several. Yeah, I've been to Howard. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've been to Howard. I've never been to an HBCU game. Or you haven't? A, no. Norfolk never. State. You've never been to Norfolk State? No. No, I think their homecoming is coming up, right? Yes. I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. yeah Labor no, Day I is have... like their homecoming, right? Yeah, you should go. I want to go. never. I went yes. to VCU. If it's not too hot. You went to VCU? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
Okay, let's let's move a little bit forward further. <laughs> okay, so this really, you know, sometimes I read things and I get moved mm-hmm. to where, you know, I don't cry, but you know how you get that little water in your eyes? Yes. Okay, that happened. But anyway, this Applebee's waiter, he was tipped $500 for um, a random act of kindness that he did. This is what happened. So his name is Casey Simmons. He's a waiter um, in Texas who was waiting in line at Kroger and um, there was a customer ahead of him. And I basically, he looked in her eyes. He could tell that she had been crying. Um, and he said he basically didn't, doesn't like anyone having a crappy day. So what he did was he paid for her groceries, which was $17. Mm-hmm. Um, after he paid for it, he wrote his name, his email address, and phone number on a piece of paper and told her, you know, I work at Applebee's and I usually close, which means I get off at 2 a.m. And he said, you know, if you can't ever sleep or if we just want to talk, he'll buy you, I'll buy you dessert or coffee. So the next day when he was at work at Applebee's, he got a $500 tip. And on the note, um, somebody wrote on the napkin, on behalf of the Sullivan family, I want to thank you for being the person you are. One of the most depressing days of the year, the death of my father, the three-year anniversary, you made my Mother's Day wonderful. She has been smiling since um, you did what you did. Her grocery bill was only $17, and you insisted on paying and told her she was a very beautiful woman. Isn't that wow, awesome? that is, that is awesome. awesome. When I so, read the, the notes that you sent me um, through email, I mm-hmm. printed them out. And today, I was standing behind a lady who came up to me out of nowhere. She said, hey, Mr. Rich and Famous. She didn't even know me. She just said that because I had on the time. Mm-hmm. So when she started talking to me, she just told me that she had been sick with cancer and that, you know, she was really just coming out of all of that. She said, you just look like you got a lot of wisdom. So when she got in line, Pay for her sandwich. That's oh, awesome. so, so nice. When was the last time you you, you did anything? Um, a random was, act of kindness. I was in the drive-through line at McDonald's mm-hmm. off of Lynn Haven mm-hmm. near the interstate, and some just told me to pay for the person's food behind me. Although their food was like eleven dollars and some change, uh-huh. I guess they must have been buying sandwiches for the office. <laughs> and then my food was only like two dollars and something, uh-huh. but I paid for it anyway. Really? Yes, yes. How and did I, you feel? How does that make you feel? It made me feel wonderful. Really? Because as I drove, well, I had to drive up and wait for my sandwich. Right. So when the girl um, told the lady, well, the lady right here paid for your food, and her eyes got real big. Uh-huh. And I said, tell her to do something nice for somebody else uh-huh. too. I want to do that. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I've I've done it. I pay for somebody groceries before. Are you too. serious? Yes, yeah, at the grocery store. Times. I feel bad. This I have lady never. was like a couple of cents short mm-hmm. at Farm Fresh. Mm-hmm. It was a little old lady mm-hmm. too. Yeah. And um, I think her food came up to like forty some dollars. Yeah. So I said, you know, don't worry about the change. I'll pay for everything. Uh-huh. And so she was like, oh, my God. Where do you shop again? I want to get in. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and what time? Yes. And she was like down to, and she started putting food back yeah. because she couldn't afford it. Oh. And so I walked her out to the car uh-huh. and helped her put her food in the car. And then I told her to, she tried to give me the $20 that uh-huh. she had. I said, no, you keep the $20, but you have a blessed day. That is, you know what? And I am so embarrassed. I can't even think. I think the most random act of kindness I've done is on the way here, I let somebody get in front of me. <laughs> and I usually don't do that. <laughs> I usually don't do that. I can't. But try it. I'm sure I have. I'm sure I have. Try it. No, you. Okay. Huh? 
Oh yeah, I've yeah. done that. Yeah, I've yeah, done that. You I've done that. To do the, the the montage for the Black Man Rock Awards, then I would. Yeah, but I'm talking that. about to mankind. That was kind. I'm going. <laughs> I didn't have to do it. <laughs> okay. All right. Kind. But I'm going. You know, I'm going to make a conscious effort to do one of those. Yeah. Because I can imagine how you felt. Yeah. Well, I was and you, you, you too. Expression on their face. I, I'm down for free lunch at um, Olive Garden with some. Uh huh. Little scale record. Okay, I'm gonna pray on it. I'm gonna pray yeah, on it. Yeah, but when you see that aha moment on their face, <laughs> yeah, you know, when you look in your rearview mirror and you're like, oh my gosh. Well, what know. about the people on the street with the signs like at the expressway? Well, to me, sometimes I have to be led. Because, I have to be led. Yeah, because some sometimes people don't use the money uh-huh. that you give them for I'll the right give. reason according to the sign. Do you? If they ask me for a dollar, I'll always give them. Well, I, 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 I get very busy in the car. Said, the says, <laughs> I get very busy. The scripture says, <laughs> give money. I'm checking text messages. I'm all in the glove compartment until the lights are gray. <laughs> nah, I, I don't do that. The yeah. scripture says, giving money to the poor is But like, are they poor? Yes. Like, and why like, aren't they at it's work? It's like loaning money to God. So you're not gonna miss that. I have to be led. I have to tell the truth. I have to be. Because I heard stories of people walking, and then there was a girl near our old shop who she did park around the corner, and she had a Lexus, and she lived way in Newport News. She come over here to do all that. Mm -hmm. Yes, I have to be. uh -uh. You should say it well. Let me go. Well, I didn't. Remember, I didn't do it. (laughs) I didn't do it. One of the clients busted her. (laughs) But um. Yeah, but I always give something. I got something. Give us one of your other topics, babe. Okay, so um, I had this, well, I had this interesting conversation mm-hmm. with a person who wouldn't date anyone who had pets. Mm. Okay. So I asked him if you fell in love with the person before you knew that they had a pet, mm-hmm. and then you found out later in the relationship that they had a pet, mm-hmm. would the pet be a deal breaker? And what did they say? So he said, "Well, if she loved me, she would get rid of the pet." Jeez. And I'm a pet lover. So how are they allergic feel? to the pet? No, nope, they not allergic. Oh they no! Was, raised was your pet in a boy constrictor? <laughs> and, and they just feel <laughs> that pets are should be outside. Dogs, some pets cats should. Are, I agree with that. But not that yours. Too. Not yours. Yours no, is a lap dog. Not, you know Mine's a little poo-poo. Yeah. So, um, I agree. Some pets do need to be outside. Right. But at the same time, you know, if I, and I love Miss Lily, like she's one of my children. Right. And I've had her ever since she was seven weeks old and now she's nine. So you think that I'm going to give her up. That's just like giving one of my children away for a man. I don't think so. So how do you feel about how do you guys feel about that? If you were dating, if I was dating someone, and they no, the dog was there before them, right? Exactly. No, well, I would, have to, no. I would have to size the situation up. Now I would check the bank records. Jacoby, you would get re- you you would, you would check what? The bank I would record. check the bank records, the bank account, the oh, okay. property, the titles, the the vehicles. <laughs> if they fit the five F uh-huh. criteria, uh-huh. which is face, figure, fashion, finance, and a foreign car, <laughs> then Miss Lily, I would give her to a nice home and so oh. somewhere you can go and visit. Somewhere you can go and visit the exactly. dog. Exactly. You know that. what? I'm gonna adopt that. High five. I'm gonna adopt that one. I did that to my own dog. You did. Yeah, but not for that purpose. Uh-huh. I'm always on the go. But I had a beautiful. Yeah, but little... that's, a, that's different. But then somebody at some point you gotta, you gotta pick relationship over your pet that you've had. Uh-huh. 
for a long time and that your kids have grown up with this pet. Uh-huh. And then some man comes along and tells you, okay, it's either me or the dog. Does your dog have benefits? Oh, woo! Does he have an inheritance? <laughs> I mean, you can get another dog, but don't pass up your go to your boys for a. Now what's the, what's the five <laughs> S? Yeah, what's the five S? I'm gonna write that down. What is it? The five S: the face, figure, fashions, finance, and a foreign car. Yeah, I like that finance and a foreign criteria car. for a keeper and a checking account. Oh, so man. I might have all of them if I get this figure together. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, yes, sir. Not going anywhere. Oh wow! You can, you can call me when she passes away. Do you work for I'm... Peter? First of all, do you work for Peter? Do you work no, for? No, I do not. Because I eat for... burgers and meat <laughs> and all that stuff. No, but if you stand on that, then I agree with you. If that's yes. if that's what you feel, but you know. So but then sometimes... why he can't compromise? If yeah, there should dating, be a compromise. Yes, if he's dating someone and she's had this dog or cat or whatever, mm-hmm. all you know before he even came into the picture. picture so why right. should she have to compromise and give the pet away, and you know suit his taste? But why he can't compromise and become a pet lover? Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree with you. I agree with you. Because hey. you don't have a pet at home. Well, I have a pet. You cold until Sunday. <laughs> I was told I had to get rid of that pet, but no. Mm. Um, You're co-parenting a pet. I'm co-parenting a pet. Yes. And we're so. bonding very well. Yes. Very well. So, but well, if I you love, met someone that said animals, no pets. But yeah. I have some animals I wouldn't want as a pet. Say, I live exactly. next door. I had a house and a guy who had like a whole zoo at his house <laughs> moved next door. Uh-uh, he had nasty. two boy constrictors that he put out in the yard. They were like... 12 feet long. Oh my God. To shed. Uh-uh. And one of them almost crawled in my yard. Uh-uh. Well, that'd be a, that's, that's a deal breaker right there. Yeah, it was a deal breaker. I called and I the authorities and had him red tag. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I'm going to just tell you who's coming on next. Then we're going to go into one of your topics, Jacoby. Okay. But um, coming up next, we have Dr. Joe Martin. He is a, an award winning international speaker. He's an educator, an author. Um, and he's the founder of the website. Um, Real Men Connect, which is basically a online platform for building better men. It's Christian-based, but he's going to come on and talk to us about um, his views on how we could be, be become better men. Um, and then, Robin, you know what to look for. Okay, you also have a son, though, right? You have yes, a son. I have yeah. a wonderful son. A wonderful son who yes. is how old? He is 22, 22, and he is a senior. This is his last semester at yes. Radford University. All look right. at you. Look at you. So what's one of your topics? Well, one of my topics is multitasking. You can do more than one thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh. Elaborate. Yeah, elaborate. What, what? Well, I think that some people really, really get perturbed when you tell them that you can write, direct, produce, sing, act, publish, and market. They don't believe you, first of all. Mm-hmm. They think that you're making it up. Yeah. But how did they navigate through 12 years of school, taking seven classes, and then being a cheerleader in the, all of the ancillary activities? So that's why I always try to tell them when I speak to people, say, you can't do more than one thing. Just look at that formula, get a day timer, set goals, listen to motivational tapes, mm-hmm. and make it happen. 
So where do you get your driving your inspiration to do all that you do? Mo- motivational tape, like you said? I know Nikki, she listens to a lot of motivational yeah, tapes. Yeah, it's that, really that spearheaded it. When I heard Tony Robbins on television speaking, mm-hmm. I ordered his book. Then I ordered his series of tapes. And mm-hmm. I would listen to him as I exercised in the morning. Mm-hmm. And it, I would, it just motivated me. It was like having so a So feeding your soul and like, your mind. It was like having a personal coach telling you what you can do. Because right. I grew up in a household with people telling you that you can't do it. You'll mm-hmm. never be an author. You'll never be rich. You'll never be famous. You'll never... Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. Naysayers all over the place. Right. Even now, you know, they, they get to the point where they're like, well, if this happens, what if that? You should never go for that. Try right. something safe. Yeah. If you have a safety net, you're going to walk on it. Mm-hmm. If, you, mm-hmm. if you get rid of that, then you got to land somewhere. Yes. Yeah. You have to set right. that goal to reach the other side. Okay. So always keep my eyes on the prize and never the negativity, you mm-hmm. know. So you can't even see the obstacle if your eyes are on the prize. Mm-hmm. Right. How do you deal with negativity? You and oh, I have been dealing with sure. a certain issue. Well, you've been, I ain't been dealing with it. You've been dealing with a certain issue all week. How are you dealing with it? I've been sitting back trying to see how are you going to deal with it. How, are you, how do you deal well, with you negativity? Well, you know what? I take the high road because there's always less traffic. That's oh, first of I all. like that. And I, I just look above, you know, things because I know my motivation for what uh-huh. I was doing and why it, the Lord put that in my spirit to do it. Uh-huh. I've never done events outside of something you know, that's celebrity-based or something that's going to build my brand. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I had a joyous occasion. I wanted to relive that with people who experienced some of the similar emotions. That's that's what it was all about. We're going to have a great time. It's this weekend, right? That's right. And I hope you make it. It's Saturday, right? That's right. Yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. Yeah. Sometimes Um, you got to consider the source. I, I view information as like when a snake eats the meat, he spits out the bones. So mm-hmm. you can look at some of that. It's stirring up, you know, conversation. Mm-hmm. So therefore, it's getting attention. Oh. So people are going to appear just to be To noticed. see what's going exactly. on. So that, okay. you know, we got it. We got it. Publicity. We got it for them. Okay. They're going to get what they want to see, okay. you know. But next year, hopefully, people will join in. And it'll grow. And help it right. grow. Mm-hmm. See, that's what some people will pick at something. And some people will repot it and mm-hmm. remake it bigger. Mm-hmm. If you have a plant, Say, for instance, I always tell people, you have to be in your element, in your family, in your business, in your life. Because mm-hmm. if you're a fish, you're in your element. You could swim everywhere. Right. But take a fish out of the fish tank, and he dies immediately because mm-hmm. he's not where he's supposed to be. Right. That's true. Exactly. And my other, my other quote for success is, if you're an eagle and you are raised in a chicken coop, you think you're a chicken until you right. spread your wings. And exactly. you say, oh, I don't have to listen to all this quack. I can fly away. Mm-hmm. And you can't. You can just stay here and quack. But you could fly, but you'd rather stay there and quack. <laughs> so what's your motivation for everything that you do in life? Because from what, since I've known you, you know, since we've been reconnected, right. you know, you've started a whole new career. Yeah. And doing well. What's your motivation for? Um, well... You know, you know, I'm by myself right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we both are. <laughs> You're not by yourself. You got Lily. <laughs> um, I'm talking about working by myself. You know, mm-hmm. uh, a sole contributor yeah. uh, to the household. So Lily can't do that unless I'm a signer up for ringing brother. <laughs> hey. But uh, my motivation is, um, you know, I want to be self-sufficient, mm-hmm. and then if Mr. Whoever comes along and then contribute con- is able to contribute to what ha- what I have already been contributing to, then that's fine. But if he doesn't, then I want to be okay too. Mm-hmm. 
So what keeps me going and motivated is probably myself. Oh, really? You know, and okay. I see myself with bigger things, better things, better car. Um, and I don't have any grandchildren right now, so I, I'm trying to work hard now mm-hmm. and work smarter at the same time, but try to build a legacy for them. Right. So um, that's what keeps me going. Right. And then God just, you know, with, with him, all things are possible. So like I lean on that <laughs> and just keep going. Okay. So So while we wait for our our next guest to call in, I want you guys to finish this. I'm gonna start with you. Okay. So if I had a chance to do it all over again this time, can you complete that? Oh. If I had a chance to do it all over again this time. Mm. I'm gonna ask you the same question. Wow, that's an interesting question. I feel like I learned from past things that makes me a better person. Uh And I believe with age comes wisdom, Uh you know, and sometimes you do things when you're younger and you don't think about it and you're just going through the motions. But then when you get older, then you learn from, you know, past mistakes or past regrets or so I wouldn't I don't think I would change anything because I can't say like in my marriage I would have changed the person that I married because mm-hmm. then I wouldn't have had Your the kids. two kids right, that I had right. um, career wise like when I was laid off and mm-hmm. found the career that I'm in now mm-hmm. I think that if I was still there mm-hmm. I wouldn't have found the career that I'm doing now so you know and sometimes god just remove things because you know sometimes you're supposed to move and you don't move mm-hmm. so sometimes the rug gets pulled, pulled from, from under, under you, you to make you move mm-hmm. so i don't think i would change too much of anything what about you about jacoby well, since I read all of Donna Ross's books, all the Motown books and anthologies and biographies, I would say what Donna Ross said. What'd she say? Uh, if I had to do it all again, I wouldn't change a thing. Yes. But I would have gotten married and had children because I do miss that aspect when I see my sisters with their children mm-hmm. and their grandchildren. I just got to like, act like a dad for a minute or something. I, I do miss. I wish I was a dad, really, because I, I love children so much. Really? And I really wish I could have some little Jacobis walking around mm-hmm. and I can see them directing and writing. Because I have a friend that's um, a music major and a music teacher, songwriter, and all that in Boston. And she has two children. One of them got a full ride scholarship to Berkeley. And he is doing great things in her daughter plays. So, you know, I just see him them as a small, you know, version of her. And I, you know, I just think it would be a great thing to have kids of your own, but I don't have any. For me, <laughs> I think I wish I would have not wasted time. Mm-hmm. Time is really something you never get back. Right. Um, I spend a lot of time saying, you know, I got time to do that later. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna have fun right now. But you look around and you're here. Right. And I'm like, and time is uh, flying. Time is <laughs> flying. <laughs> We're almost I, through with this year. I know. So I think if I had all, if I could do it all over again, I would realize that you know. Time is fleeting. Exactly. And I would take advantage of, from the, from my youth, when I was back in school, I would have went to school, 
Stop trying to be cute. <laughs> Stop trying to earn best dress and be most smartest. You know. Right. Um. So I would. I would get. I would. I would, I would try to take advantage of time and do things now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I would do. Wow. Okay. We're still waiting on our guests, so I guess we can continue talking. Yeah. Um, Sometimes you don't realize what what God really gives you is time, talent, and fortune. So He gives you the time, the talent to create the fortune, and that's the all that He gives. Then why don't so many people achieve that? Because they don't ever realize that they should be using their gifts to make a living. They are so programmed to go to to the plant or go to Mm -hmm. the post office or something safe. They don't want to take chances. Without a great risk, there's no great reward. Right. So you have to be able to step out of your comfort zone Mm -hmm. to be able to do great things. And you just got to be steadfast and, you know, and un- unmoved and unshakable. Right. True. Yeah. And in your goal setting and your planning, just like you go went back to school at a late mm-hmm. later year, mm-hmm. you still have your degree. You're gonna have you're gonna be fifty whether you have a degree or not. So if that means going back to school mm-hmm. at forty, getting your degree, mm-hmm. now you feel more accomplished. You can actually teach with a degree. Mm-hmm. And that'll see people don't understand sometimes if you are a teacher, and you are a good reader or studied so many different things. Whatever book you have read, and you become an expert at that, you can mm-hmm. teach a workshop in, on that subject. Mm-hmm. Right. So there, therefore, you always have a way to make money. Opportunity, right? You right. always because you can uh, teach hair, makeup. I can teach photography. I can teach music, mm-hmm. piano lesson, voice lesson, modeling, acting, singing. You know, right. I always know that there's a workshop somewhere yeah. that I can create and teach. Right. I don't have to be in a public school. Right. As a matter of fact, I had my own school for years because I couldn't conform to teaching for other people. Mm-hmm. So people are like, do it this way, do it that way. Well, I start my own school and modeling agency, and I could do it the way I want to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's talk about Nate Parker. All right. Let's Everybody go. knows about Nate Parker. He has a, a movie coming out. What's the name of it? Um, who? The Birth of a Nation, yeah. And they're always talking about it's getting um, Oscar buzz. Oh. Yeah. So it's supposed to be good. And he's from, I didn't know he was from this area. Is he? Yeah. Mm. He is from, what, is it Petersburg? Close to the here? Okay. Well, yeah, he's from this area. Oh, wow. Okay, so. What is his name again? Nate, Nate Parker. Parker. Nate. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's basically a biography of Nat Turner, mm-hmm. the enslaved. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah worker and preacher and he's he's produced this um film and it was it premiered at sundance um mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year and it was purchased by fox searchlight for 17.5 million dollars wow. and that's the most expensive purchase in a festival festival's hearing mm-hmm. but you know back in 1999 now this is 2016 this is back in 1999 when he was a student at penn state university mm-hmm. he and his roommate gene celestin um who uh, was also a co-writer of the birth of a nation they were charged with raping um oh, they say yeah. an unconscious mm-hmm. 20 year old female student while she was um visiting their apartment mm-hmm. so he was parker the guy who's from here was exonerated um because he had had sex with her before and it was consensual mm-hmm. the other guy he was convicted of raping he served six months in jail so now people are going on six saying months. six yeah six months in jail <laughs> um Nate Parker, he referred to this time period as being very painful, a very painful part in his life. Um, he cites that it was an uh, obstacle in his life and that he grew up very poor. His father passed away, you know, blah, 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 blah. 
But a lot of people are saying that because he wasn't really punished, that um, people are calling to boycott the movie. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking, you know, this has been 17 years ago. We've all right. done things as younger people. Not, exactly. not to diminish if, you know, if it was raped. Mm-hmm. Um, not to diminish that. But, you know, should that change our perspective on him? And do you think we should boycott the, the, the movie? Holding him, you know, responsible for something that happened 17 years ago. Well, if the system didn't punish him, why should we continue to punish him? Exactly. So he's, he's black. Or he's what? black. Mm-hmm. I'll pull up the. You, I'm sure you've seen you've seen his face before. Damn, system. Well, I mean, I I would judge his work based on the content. Right. Of the work. Exactly. I mean, people in jail in prison are brilliant. You know, that doesn't mean that they are right here. Shouldn't. Oh him. Oh yeah, he's an actor, isn't yes. he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I personally, I feel that whoever has any creative goals should not be suppressed or limited because of something in their past. I mean, get, mm-hmm. I mean, let the let the court handle that mm-hmm. exactly. and let him be free to express himself and make a living once he's free. Mm-hmm. But you said that happened seventeen years 17 ago. Seventeen years ago. And look at been, look at Roman Polanski. What happened with him? I mean, right. they hid him all but in he's Europe. Been and in, um, like the Great Debate. Yeah, he's been in a lot of yeah, a he's lot been of in a lot of movies. So why he's when he when it. he's producing right. his own film? Mm-hmm. So why boycott such that? success? It's already you yes. know getting Oscar buzz, the highest um, purchased movie at a festival, seventeen point five million dollars. And because of this, because you know they weren't pleased with the sentence that he got. Um, they're calling for, and they're calling for primarily women um, to not black, to, go see it. To, to yeah to not go see the movie, not to support the movie. I think this is there's great. a call for black women to boycott the birth <laughs> of a nation. I think that's racially inclined yes. because, like I said, Roman Polanski, you know, you know the story behind him. He had drugged a twelve year old girl, mm-hmm. and you know did whatever they were gonna do, and he was he moved to Rome. And was hidden from the from the you know the states and from the judiciary system in the United States mm-hmm. for about thirty years. Mm-hmm. So, but if he was black, they would have found him in Rome and brought him back. Right. <laughs> I, I believe that the criminal justice. So why system. are they saying just saying black women? Why not all women boycott? That's true. Let me see here. Just not to support Parker and his coworker is is similar to what happened with oh straight out of, straight out of Compton. They call for a boycott of that movie, too, because of the remarks that Ice Cube had made during the press tour um, and the admission of the violence toward D. Barnes. I guess that was maybe a woman back in the day. I don't know. I didn't follow gangster rap mm. when I was growing up. <laughs> oh, you did? No. You weren't close to the edge? Uh, no. <laughs> no. No. Not at all. Well, no. it wasn't really gangster rap when you were growing up. It well, was more just rap when you were growing up. It was just coming out. It was a little right. gangster. Yeah, it was a little gangster. Yeah, it was a little gangster. Yeah, yeah, a little, but nothing like today. Yeah, nothing yeah, like nothing today. Nothing like today. There's no censor on some of this. But stuff. that is, I don't know. So I guess next they're gonna be boycotting um, Southside um, with Michelle and Barack's movie. You know what, Michelle and Barack, they're not even getting any play on that movie. I don't understand because the commercial is only on BET. Mm. No, it's on the radio. But I'm talking about. I don't see yeah. the preview on mm-hmm. like ten, thirteen. And John Legend streams. producing that. Yeah, yeah. John maybe Legend. it's a financial thing. 
as far as the publicity mm-hmm. but it of comes it. Out Friday. Friday. Yeah. And when did Michelle and and Barack um make a fragrance? If you see that in all of the perfume shops, the no, little, I haven't seen that. They have one. No, they have the oils, the Obama and the Michelle Obama oil. From the bootleg man? No, from oh. the supply stores. <laughs> I ain't never seen what? that. I have not seen. What, oh. Sally? No, not Sally. Well, like uh, the beauty supply store on Poison Boulevard and several of them. Most of them have it. It's the Michelle Obama. The Oriental favorite. one. And then they got the Obama. Oh, I've never so, seen I mean, that. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I think if they had a legitimate fragrance, it would be more popular. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, we have someone calling in. Let's see if this is our guest. Yeah, this is the guest. This is Joe Martin. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Hey, Joe. Hey, how you doing? Doing well. How's your flight do? Oh, it did well. We got here on time, thank goodness. Okay, okay, <laughs> so, okay. okay we so were no just... problem whatsoever. I even had time to relax and unpack and everything, so I'm sitting in the hotel and I'm I'm chilling. I'm ready. Okay. Okay. Well, I just want to start just to give everybody an opportunity to know who you are. I've given you a, a brief introduction, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to tell the world who you are now. Oh, I, I was, I, well, I could describe myself as a um, certified and professionally trained man builder. <laughs> um, I help men grow um, to be the men that God called and created them to be, and I help them succeed in um home, mm-hmm. on their jobs, in their businesses, in their community, as the leaders that God has called them to be, and I help them do it God's way. Okay. Awesome. So, you founded Real Men Connect. What is Real Men Connect? Well, basically, Real Men Connect, what we do is we help men um, become champions in the roles that matter most to them, and also that matter most to God as husbands, as fathers and leaders, and we provide them with the resources and training that they need to succeed in the home, on the job, and in the community. And I kind of describe it like we're sort of like a 911 or 411 resource place for Christian men, <laughs> giving them answers to real problems in the real world. And so that's kind of what we do. Okay. Well, hello, Dr. Martin. Um, this is Robin. Um, what is a real man? <laughs> That's a loaded. That's a loaded question, Robin. But I'll put it in the basic sense because I get asked that question a lot. Um, because it it is subjective based on your worldview and your perspective. Mm-hmm. Now I will qualify this that I define what a real. It's not me defining a real man, but it's from my 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 view, which is a biblical point of view. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm sure there be people who may disagree with me who may not come from a Christian perspective or from a biblical perspective, and I respect that. Mm-hmm. But as for what I do and what the ministry God has called me to in doing this, I define a real man um, basically that he has four things that he's responsible for doing. And it's one, and I use Jesus Christ as the model of a real man to me. Mm-hmm. And one is that he leads his family spiritually. Mm-hmm. He leads his family spiritually. And in the Bible, Christ called us um, his bride. He kind of portrayed us as his bride, um, the human race. And he's coming back to us as a bride. So his job when he was here was to lead us spiritually on a way that we should go so we won't depart from it. So it's lead, he lead, he, a real man leads his family spiritually, but he also unselfishly loves and serves other people, even outside of his family. He unselfishly loves and serves others. And honestly, Jesus did that as well. And another thing that a real man does, he leaves a legacy. And a lot of times in society, we don't look at that as far as being what a real man does. 
And I have two kids of my own, and uh, I work with kids all over the country as an educational consultant and speaker. And I tell them that when I'm gone, I want my message to still continue Mm -hmm. and that my faith will still outlive me, and especially with my own children, that I may not ever meet my grandchildren or my my great-grandchildren, but I would like to live my life in such a way as a, quote, real man, Mm -hmm. that they're talking about me, about Mm -hmm. my faith, not how much money I had, not how many degrees did I have, but boy, your great-great-grandfather was such a man of faith. And I don't know if any of you guys watched the miniseries when uh, Roots came out, the yeah. remake of Roots. Mm-hmm. And you remember how they kept talking about Kunta Kinte? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a legacy. That's what I'm talking about. They never even met Kunta Kinte, but they kept talking about him, and they kept talking about him for generations. A real man does that. He sets a standard. Mm-hmm. And his the way he carries himself cannot be denied that the legacy continues to live even after he's passed away. Mm-hmm. And then the last component of what I consider a real man is what I think we're missing in society today, and the reason why we have so much problems in society, is that a real man also teaches other men how to be real men. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the problem we're having in society today, is that we have a lot of boys mm-hmm. who are shaving who were never taught how to be men. Right. So it's not defined by your age, but we weren't taught. And so it's not just for me to be a real man, but if I don't teach my son how to be one or teach your son how to be one, then I'm neglecting my responsibility. And this is also biblical because Jesus' last words to us. Now think about this. His last words, if you were on your deathbed and you had your family around you, you say, I have one last thing to say to you. I guarantee somebody's going to bring out a piece of notepad and say, we're going to write this thing down. Daddy's getting ready to tell something important. Absolutely. Well, Jesus' last words, and there's nothing else written after he said this in the Bible, was to go out and make disciples. That was his last words. Go out and make disciples. He didn't say, go to church every Sunday. He didn't say, (laughs) um, go out and make some money. He didn't say, go um, go plant some churches, Uh go do missionary work. Uh All that stuff is great. But he said, what was his last word to the disciples? You go out and make disciples of all the nations. Mm -hmm. He said, and teach them what I taught you. So if I'm not doing that for the men, not only my son, but for the men in my life and my Mm -hmm. circle, I'm neglecting the great commission. So I'm hoping that makes sense. Hello, Dr. Martin. This is Jacoby DeBouvier speaking. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Great. You have some power behind this book and behind your words. I can feel your energy and your passion for what you're teaching and what you've written. But my question to you is, what are the biggest challenges that men face today? I'll keep it simple because um, there's a lot of challenges. Barna um, is a Christian research company that does research studies on the Christian culture and some of the challenges that men face. And their study re- said that um, pretty much almost 100% of men in the churches, Christian men, who I'm talking about right now, we struggle with work balance and family mm-hmm. in our faith, mm-hmm. you know, of trying to balance it all. But that's a general, but I'm going to be more basic and more specific than even their study. And this is what I see from now working with a lot of men, speaking a lot of men's conferences, um, coaching a lot of men, counseling a lot of men. And this is what, and this is what I think the main problems are with men, the challenges they face. One is ego. <laughs> okay, they said the ego, E-G-O stands for edging God out, and, <laughs> but the ego is this problem that we have admitting that we don't know what we're doing, Exactly. of um, appearing to be weak, to appearing to be less than, um, to admit that, you know what, I'm stuck, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I fall in and I can't get up. Right. Our ego is our biggest problem. Now, that's what the world calls it, ego. Now, the Bible calls it pride. Right. And before, the Bible tells in Proverbs that before pride comes a fall. And so that is the biggest problem I see the men face. If I had a magic wand mm-hmm. <laughs> and I could fix one thing in men, it would uh, humble them and say, you know what? I need help. That's right. So that would be the first thing. Here's another thing. And this is one of my biggest pet peeves when it comes to men is apathy. Ooh. Apathy. And what I mean by apathy is that kind of laissez-faire, oh, it's not that big of a deal. I'm not spending time with my daughter. Mm-hmm. It's not that big of a deal that me and my wife don't communicate on a regular basis. It's not that big of a deal that I don't go to church and I don't worship. It's not that big of a deal that I'm not leading our family in devotional. It's not that big. It's, we write off as we, it's more of a passive approach right. to manhood. Mm-hmm. We, will let the, we will let schools teach our children. We will let the pastor minister to our wives. And we will let the community raise our sons. Mm-hmm. That's apathy to me. That's right. And so it's that, ah. So if I can fix the ego problem, I will fix then fix the apathy problem. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> but here's the other, and there's two more other things that seem, that seem to be the biggest challenge with men. Another one is um, fear. Mm-hmm. Fear. And it's the fear of failure. Exactly. We won't attempt to do anything if we don't think if we can't guarantee we're going to succeed. At right, it. right. And so we won't start that business. Um, we won't take that risk to trust somebody. Mm-hmm. We, we we won't do what it takes. We're afraid. What if I look crazy or what if I look silly and what if I fail? Mm-hmm. So we don't even try. Exactly. And a lot of times that holds us back to our full potential because I know when my son was growing up, I used to tell him before he went off to school. I said, "Now go out and fail," and he used to look at me and say, "Dad, what?" I said, go out and fail. He said, Dad, you want me to fail? I said, no, I'm not telling you to go fail. I'm telling you don't be afraid of it. Mm-hmm. And if you go to school not if you go to school not being afraid to fail, you're going to succeed. Right. But you can't be afraid to fail. And I see that has been a problem with a lot of men. I can't tell you how many men I've talked to who have an idea. Um, um, they have a concept. They have something they wanted to do, something they want to initiate, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. won't do it because they are paralyzed by fear. Exactly. What if it doesn't work out? And my question is, what if you regret it later that right. you didn't try? Right, right. And then the last thing, and this is a big one, and I, and I feel for the women because they feel the brunt of this with me and as far as challenges, is isolation. One of the biggest things we face as men is that since we, remember I mentioned the ego, right. and then I said the apathy and the fear, you know what that ends up doing? Pushing us by ourselves, and we become long rangers. Mm-hmm. We don't want to, we don't fellowship with other men, we don't want to have close relationship with other men, and if we do have a relationship with other men, it's usually the wrong type of men, or it's a surface relationship. So how was the game? You know, well, what do you think about LeBron signing that new contract? Right. Who gives a flip about LeBron signing a new contract? How are you and your wife? <laughs> how are you, are you spending enough time with your kids? Right. We don't talk about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And Why? so we isolate, we isolate ourselves from society, from our wives, from our family, and then you know what that ends up leading us to? Numbing ourselves with medication things, mm. whether it be pornography, whether it be trying to make more money, um, sleeping with women. We would try to medicate our inadequacies by isolating ourselves to feed our fetishes. And so that's why I say I apologize to the women, because a lot of times when women see men disconnected, it has really has nothing to do with the woman. Mm-hmm. has everything to do with his internal pain that he hasn't dealt with because of his wow. ego, because he hasn't taken it seriously because of apathy, because he's afraid of what's going to happen if he does bring it up. Mm-hmm. And so he isolates himself. So I'm hoping that that helps in explaining what I think some of the challenges are. Yeah, great job. Yeah, so now that you brought the women into the picture, what do women really need to know about men? 
there, there's so much, but I would say if I had to keep it short and simple, um, and this is, I think this is going to enlighten a lot of women. Men have a sincere desire to be successful husbands, successful fathers, um, successful leaders. Mm-hmm. They want to be better men. Women have to hear me on this. They want to be better men so bad. They want to succeed. But here's what women don't know and they need to know. They weren't shown how. They don't know how. They have no clue how to do it. I want to love you, woman. I haven't been taught how to do that. I want to raise my kids the right way. I was not. And I, and I can prove this to you, and, I, and I'm only speaking for the church, but I, I challenge you to do this in any community setting. I asked the men in churches all across this country, I said, by show of hands, how do you want to be great husbands, great fathers, great leaders? They all raised their hand. 100% every single time. I said, how many of you were shown by a successful husband, father, and leader in your home? Less than 10%. Hmm. And that's in the church. Wow. Now, what if I did that at a prison? What if I did that at a corporation? Mm-hmm. And I worked with kids, and that's how I found out because I was doing it with children. I've been a group of children, eighth graders, said, how many of you boys want to be successful husbands, fathers, and leaders? They always ask that. How many of you have a successful husband, father, leader in your home? And it's usually less than 2% raise their hand. And so if there's something that I want women, the women need to know is have compassion for this man. I know he's getting on your last nerve. I know he's driving you crazy. But if you saw, you would never get on a child for not knowing how to walk if he wasn't taught how to walk. You would never get on, you, we, you know, we would never get on somebody who wasn't taught how to do something expecting them to do it. That's right. And so my thing, I'm not saying excuse his behavior, but understand that that explains his behavior. Mm-hmm. He wasn't taught. He wasn't shown. That's why that last part about being a real man, why is that so important? He must teach other real men how to be real men, at least to help these women. Mm-hmm. So, Dr. Martin, what can a woman do to help the men? Um, I would say, and, and I would say some simple things that wouldn't cost them <clears throat> any money, wouldn't cost them any much more time, but it would cost them to kind of like get over their frustration with us not being what we need to be. But I would say what a woman can do to help men, at least from what I hear from men, encourage him. You know, and, you know, I, I hate to say it this way, but I can't think of a better way to say it. It's like stroking his ego sometimes. I'm not talking about inflated, but <laughs> encourage him. And I hate to say it this way. It's so different than why you were training the puppy. You know what I mean? Good dog. <laughs> He's doing a good job. Yeah, you know, but he needs to be encouraged because, remember, he doesn't know what he's doing. Amen. So what, catch him doing something right. And mm-hmm. just applaud him for it. Now, even though he has a long way to go, but if you don't reward him for running um, parts of the race, like, let's put it this way. If the race is 26 miles long, right. if you, if you um, encourage him at mile one, he'll run harder for mile two. Mm. Oh, but if you think, yeah. I'm not going to cheat him until he crosses the finish line at, at mile 26, <laughs> you will be in a miserable relationship. You'll be used. So, okay. <laughs> So encourage him and support him. Uh-huh. Now, i got to give my wife a lot of credit. She knows how to keep me encouraged. A lot of times I'm like, I don't need it because I understand this. You know what I mean? 
but she does it anyway. And I don't tell her not to do it. Uh-huh. I'm telling you, I don't really need, I get it now uh-huh. that we need encouragement. But I got men around me who do that for uh-huh. me. So I don't really need it from my wife. But trust me, when it comes from your wife, it's the greatest thing in the world. So keep them encouraged and support them. And here's something I would tell women to do, and I, I think most women don't know how important this is. Recruit for your husband or recruit for your man and recruit for your son. What I mean by recruit, find men who are stronger, more mature in their faith, and introduce them to your husband or to your son or to your brother. You, gotta, you, we, you have to connect him with other men. And listen to what I'm getting ready to tell you. The men, men are only as strong as the number of stronger men they have in their life. Let me, let me say that again. A man is only as strong as the number of stronger men he has in his life. Mm-hmm. So my job is to recruit as many stronger men to mentor my son. Now you think, well, your son doesn't need help. You, he got you. But guess what? How many times have you ever heard a man say, you know what, I just have too many great men in my life, I need to cut some of them loose. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard any man never, say that? Never, never. never. Hey, I just got too many good men in my life. I need, God, what's wrong with this? I need to cut, can you get rid of some of them? Which tells you that that means we can never have enough. Right. So I was just talking to my son. My son is 20 years old, and he, I just talked to him a couple of days ago. And I said, Kendall, I said, do you realize that the reason why you're going to be so successful is not because of me as your dad. I said, because you, I surrounded you with an army of great men. Mm-hmm. He said, Dad, I know. He said, Dad, I know. I said, so I could die tonight in peace knowing that you have a go-to, you have go-to men you can go to and say, how do I be a husband? How do I be a father? How do I do this? So I have tons mm-hmm. of men around me, and I've had to learn that the hard way, that you're only as strong as the stronger men you surround yourself with. So women, recruit for your husband. I'm not saying... Like, you know, say, you better meet this man or you got to, no, just kind of, you know how y'all women do, just kind of arrange an accidental meeting, <laughs> you know, and inviting people over for dinner, you mm-hmm. know, that kind of, just, just make sure that their paths cross. And then it, all, these, all it takes is one good one. Right. You know? But introduce him to other great men. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, that's the best thing you can do for your husband. Absolutely. I call it marriage insurance. Right. <laughs> that's what I call it, marriage insurance. Dr. Martin, this is Jacoby speaking again. I just want to tell you that um, I've enjoyed your golden nuggets that you've shared with us. You speak with such passion and clarity and poise. Um, that, but I want to ask you this question right here. What can we do to raise champions and not boys? I would say the best way to raise champions would, would be to be an example, not an excuse to our kids. Mm-hmm. Um and I can't stress that enough. When my son was 12 years old, um, God had pressed on my spirit to tell him something because I was struggling. I was a single dad, mm-hmm. and I had custody of him. And I was struggling because I wasn't shown how to be a, a father. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen until a few years later. But um, God told me to say something to him, and I said, God, I cannot tell my son that. And then God spoke to my spirit and said, do you want to be a great father or what? And I said, yeah. He said, then do what I tell you to do. And I said something to my son that changed my life. And this is what I would tell you if you want to raise champions. And you're going to probably lose some listeners after I tell you this. <laughs> I told my son, I said, Kendall, come here. He was only 12. I said, Kendall, God told me to tell you something. I'm scared to death, but I'm going to say it anyway. I said, Kendall, listen to me. Listen to your daddy. I said, do what you see me do. Wow. Speak the way you hear me speak. 
I say, work the way you see me work. Serve the way you see me serve. Treat women the way you see me treat women. Humble yourself the way I humble myself. Pray the way you see your dad pray. Seek God the way I seek God. You love your enemies the way I love my enemies. You forgive your enemies the way I forgive my enemies. You screw up the way I screw up and accept responsibility the way I accept responsibility. You allow yourself to watch what I watch, listen to what I listen to, carry yourself the way I carry yourself. I have to tell them what I'm telling you. Be you, do me. Wow. wow. Period. Powerful. Be you, do me. That's how you make a champion. Okay. You show what a champion looks like. By example. Not, he's not perfect. Right. LeBron didn't win every game. Steph Curry didn't win every game. But they're still champions. Yeah, to be Watch a... me practice. Practice the way I practice. Mm-hmm. Show sportsmanship the way I show sportsmanship. You do what you see me do. Be you, be you uniquely, but you do what you see me do. Mm-hmm. That's how you build a champion. Wow. Great. Awesome. So, Dr. Martin, can you share how people can um, follow you, definitely find out about how they could probably um, get involved with your Real Men Connect? Well, I'll, I'll give them two ways. One, um, since I, I won't, I'll be remiss not to um, share, you know, I told you that real men help other men become real men. They teach other men how to be real men. Right. I created something called a, spiritual, a Real Men Spiritual Leader Blueprint, where I kind of show what men have taught me on how to become real men. Mm-hmm. And it's um, a, a, a blueprint that I created. I'm giving it away for free. I've, I've written like 12 books. But I'm giving this away for free, along with another book that I've written. And just to show how serious I am about learning how to be real men. And if they go to rmcfree.com, RMC for Real Men Connect, RMC Free, I know they know how to spell free, (laughs) they can get those two books for free. Now, they can go on Amazon and buy it, but they they just go to that website. They can get it free there. That will be one way. Now, if they want to keep in contact with me personally, um, just go to realmenconnect.com, realmenconnect.com, and they can follow me on Twitter, they can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, you name it. I, there's so many things I'm doing with men that I can't even explain it all, but if they go to that website, they'll see. That's awesome. Awesome. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing thank this you. information. I'm definitely, I've already looked through the website, um, so I'm, I'm definitely going to stay, stay locked with that. I want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing the information. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Thank Martin. you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Well, I'm about to get that book. <laughs> Have a good night. <laughs> All right. Take care. Thank you. Great information. Yes. I learned a lot. And we finished in time. Mm-hmm. For our, my, what I call my intimate conversations, this is when I get to interview you guys about y'all to learn. I, I already know a lot about you. Um, <laughs> when we have our dinners, which yes. is time for a dinner. Yes, it is. It's time, time for, for a dinner. dinner. So, um, okay, who's gonna do the random acts of kindness and treat? Well, it's my turn. It's his turn. I gotta find out. I'm gonna let somebody else over if you're on the line, way. Getting some food. Oh, just pay well, I'm just gonna wait to see who got the the less amount in the basket. Oh see. God! <laughs> so who knows? You can be going go. to the drive-through at Hardee's, and you can do. Most that. should have a car full of kids. It doesn't matter. Kindness is kindness. It doesn't kind, matter. Oh, you got to be kind to the whole family, not just one of them. Yes. We're going to pray on it. We're going to Well, just on hope it. that you're at the Dollar Tree when you're in line. Yes, no, I would definitely do the Dollar Tree. Tree. I'll see that at the Dollar Tree. And they coupons now. Do they? Yeah. So I saw a whole Extreme. lady get a whole basket of stuff for $1. Whole basket. She's ripping and off the And you know, what about that, that, that reduced price grocery store called Aussie's? 
I never heard that. Mm. But yeah, you gotta <coughs> just you know. Or rich people you know, shop Starbucks there too. Line. I don't know if you drink Starbucks, but you know when you let to do it, you will do it. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what the person behind you, what they ordered. It doesn't matter. You, okay. You're just gonna do it. Yeah, you're 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 Steve Harvey. You just said that you're Steve Harvey. You can do these things. He has a camp where he treats all these horses. Yeah, but he's worth a hundred million dollars. I don't you know if you saw too. that. Your father you owns are too. Many well, the last time I went to Navy Federal, they told me I didn't have it <laughs> in there. It's not in there yet. It's not in there. Okay, yeah, but it's as coming. soon as I see it, yes. I'm gonna do exactly what he's doing. I can promise you that I'm gonna do that. It's coming. But let me ask you this. I'm gonna ask you the same question. Mm-hmm. So, what's the best part of being Robin? Um. That I know who I am and I know whose I am. So that's the best part of being Robin. And the fact that a person can tell me that I'm not mm-hmm. who I am, mm-hmm. but I still believe that. Uh, and is, I can go, is it, was that a journey? Or have you known that ever since she was a child? <laughs> I think I think over the years. Uh-huh. And I think once I became a mother, uh-huh. It kind of defined um, exactly who I am. Because I knew I always wanted to be a mom. If I didn't know I wanted to be anything else, I always knew I wanted to be a mom. Mm-hmm. So, and my kids tell me all the time I'm such a great mom. So, really? You are. And yeah, you are. Yeah. Thank you. You are. So, and, you know, and I show them that, that I appreciate them because they didn't ask to come here. Uh-huh. So, and I show them you know, um, that I love them Mm -hmm. and I'm grateful that God allowed me to be their mom. mom. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Awesome. What about you, Jacoby? What's the best part of being you? I would say uh, the best part about being me would be if you look my name up in the dictionary beside it, you would see the word resilient. Mm. Because... And you are. Mm-hmm. I believe that I'm resilient because I believe a bouncing back over any obstacles and tragedies, there's a triumph in the, and a victory in that. And I really realized that when God gave me so many gifts, I mean, he didn't give them to someone else. They were for me to open. Mm-hmm. If I give you one gift, you would open it. If I gave you a whole room full of gifts at Christmas, you would take the time to open each one of them. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we have several gifts that we never open. Oh, yeah. We never so tap into. my tagline or my hashtag that people have called me when I wrote my first book, the publisher gave me the subtitle as the contemporary renaissance man, mm-hmm. meaning a man of many talents. Mm-hmm. That's what they named me as, you know, after reading the book. So, And they've been behind me to turn my book into a movie for years and years, and they keep sending me emails. But I just... I'm in the process of completing my documentary, which will be published from my own publishing company. And we're about to wrap it up, the editing right now, since I just got back the footage from the Black Man Rock affair. That's uh-huh. what I was waiting on, because I've been shooting it a whole year, going to my hometown, my old jobs and schools and all of the fun stuff, and I, I'm loving it. But it's a big job to put it all together into <laughs> a movie. But, so... Yeah, being resilient and being able to, you know, read motivational material, um, being, you know, being into the church and writing gospel music. So all of the songs that I published so far that are available on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, over 60 online outlets. Um, I started with a gospel because God said if you put God first, everything else will follow in order. 
So I do have some R&B and love songs that are coming into surface pretty soon. And I will be publishing my first children's book for an author um, who has a child who has a disability, a brain disease. And she wrote a book called The Adventures of Miracle. And I'll be publishing that for her through my publishing company in the next month or two. We're wrapping up the editing process of that right at the moment. Okay. Okay. So what's the last experience that you had that made you a stronger person? The last experience that I had that made me a stronger person, um, back in 2010, August the 4th, um, I underwent a um, surgery where I was under anesthesia for 14 and a half hours. Um, I was diagnosed with a long name, but I'm going to put it in layman's term. I had a tumor in my jaw, which deteriorated my jawbone. What? And so they had to take a bone out my leg and reconstruct my jaw, have a titanium titanium rod. So to make a long story short, they told me I would have to be taught how to talk again, mm-hmm. how to walk again. I wouldn't be able to wear high heel shoes anymore. Um, at some given time, I might get depressed mm-hmm. because I have a little bit deformity to my right leg. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't wear skirts or dresses anymore and all of that. Mm -hmm. So after two months of going through rehabilitation and I could talk right after surgery. Uh So the doctors were very surprised, um, but learning how to walk all over again and, um, taking care of myself, I was to the point where I had to crawl to the bathroom. Um, I had to have someone put me in the shower, take a shower, give me a shower and um and i questioned god and asked him why me mm-hmm. a lot and he told me why not you why not? and so and i remember before i had the surgery pastor which i had such a wonderful pastor pastor melvin o'mariner yeah. at grove Baptist. Grove. Oh, really? and before i had the surgery he said sometimes god have to put you on pause mm-hmm. And he says, yeah. sometimes, because we don't slow down, uh-huh. sometimes he has to put things in your life to make you slow down. Uh-huh. And I think that's what he was telling me, to slow down. Slow down. Because, you know, I'm active with my kids. Some uh-huh. of the time I was active with my kids, working, a job, doing hair, uh-huh. and doing all these other different types of things. So he that was his way of saying, okay, I need you to chill for a moment, and this is how it's going to play out. And everybody else around you got to pick up the pieces. So to make a long story short, again, Mm -hmm. I decided that, and I got depressed once I got home. And I said, no, I am not going to be in this bed er forever. Mm -hmm. I'm going to learn how to walk again. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go back to work. And I'm going to live my normal life like I did before. Mm -hmm. And after two months, I did. And I... When I started wearing skirts, I wore dark tights. Mm-hmm. Now I wear no tights. Uh-huh. And you wear it, heels. And I wear heels. Very <laughs> yes, high you heels. Do. Five, six And your heels. skirts. Yes. yes. So when people look at my leg, mm-hmm. that's my testimony. That's your testimony. Yes. So when they ask me, well, what happened to you? And I just share my story with them, how God has spared my life. Yeah. And he was so mm-hmm. good to me. And how doctors told me what I couldn't do. And I was determined to walk again, talk again, and wear high heel shoes, dresses, and skirts. 
and you're a stronger person. And I'm a stronger you're, person. Wow. What about you, Jacoby? Mm, I've had a lot, but. Well, just choose one because we're almost out of time. Just choose. Well, I'll, I'll, I will tell the story um, of how I had a divine intervention. Mm-hmm. In 2007, I had a blood clot in my right leg. And after building an empire of a modeling agency, a school, a theater, nonprofit, being in movies and acting, directing, producing, meeting celebrities, having my own talk show, I had a blood clot in my right leg and I could not walk for a whole year. So I went from a wheelchair to a walker to a four-pronged cane before I could get back to work. So not being able to walk for a whole year, your money starts to dry up. Yeah. So I was in the bed there and the Lord told me, he said, get up. This is the Lord speaking. Mm Mm-hmm. And he said, go in the living room and get that Bible and come back and turn to this chapter. And I was like, I don't even remember no Bible being in the living room. So I got up mm-hmm. and I went into the living room. There was a Bible on the mm-hmm. floor. Mm-hmm. So I picked it up. He said, turn to Atticus. He said, write the word Atticus out. He said, you spell it backwards. It spells suicide. I was like, what? And I wrote it. And I thought, what is he said? This is real. Then he said, write the word rats down. And rats. He said, now spell that backwards. It spells star. He said, your life, it seems like you're at the bottom as a mouse. But I'm about to flip that word around Mm -hmm. and make you live the life of the star that I designed you to be. Yeah. And you still by star. I've known you a star. Exactly. Yeah. So when you listen to the word, God will lead you in the right direction. He also told me, he said, I'm going to put the people in your life that's going to help you get into the direction that you're trying to go to. Right. So then sometimes I would pick up the phone and people had heard about some of my demise and situations. Mm -hmm. Some people wouldn't even answer my calls, but the right people would answer. Mm -hmm. All the moguls Mm -hmm. like Tim Reed, which is a lifelong friend and his wife, they would call and support and be like, hey, how you doing? You know, so on and on mm-hmm. that, you know, the right people and my good friend Seiko Varner, you know, he was right there in my corner. As a matter of fact, when I start writing music again, he sent me some tracks and I wrote a song to one of his tracks that everybody's loving that. That connected me to a songwriter by the name of Juanita Wynn, who mm-hmm. wrote for Diana Ross, which is one of my idols and Fred Hammond. So wow. one day she called me and we were just talking. We got to meet. We got to meet. We got to meet. Somebody else had tried to connect us, but we never could meet. But one day we met and I went to her house and I let her listen to my tracks and she picked out the songs for me to release. Right. And she was already an established world renowned songwriter. Mm-hmm. So that gave me the motivation. Like, well, I can really do this. If Juanita likes my song and she's already written for Donna Ross and Fred Hammond and on and on. And then I got an opportunity to open up for Les Brown. He was a motivational speaker. So and get pictures with him and to open on the same platform as a motivational speaker and singer with him that really got me going into the right direction. Awesome. Awesome. I want to thank both of y'all for coming out. No problem. Invitation thank always you. stands thank for you to you. come back. Hope you enjoyed yourself. I did. I did. You had did. an awesome time. Great, great, great. Tune in next week. Next week, please. Uh, we have Mr. Steve Williams. He's a relationship coach. He was on. He was on my second show. And I actually had to end the call because it just got out of control. Oh, I will. Be um, so he's going to talk about. He has a lot of things to say about women. So, um, he he was a good guest, kind of got out of control. But make sure you tune in next 
week yeah. for for it. Um, until then, everybody be blessed. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. We ask that you visit www.letsfaceitradio.com for up-to-date information. Critics and audiences are cheering for Bumblebee. It's an incredible 93% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. The perfect blend of action, heart, and humor. Not just a great Transformers movie, a great movie, period. Bumblebee, now playing. Ready PG-13. I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's premier home purchase lender. We've created a new way to protect you from unpredictable interest rates. Our exclusive Rate Shield approval. First, we lock your interest rate for up to 90 days. Then, if rates go up, your rate stays locked. But if rates go down, your rate drops. Either way, you win. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate Shield approval only valid on certain 30-year fixed rate loans. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply.